Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. So, uh, are you guys ready to hop in the Word this morning? We've had a nice full morning. And uh, again, if you're a guest with us here today, if this is your first time, welcome to Vine Life. I know it's a kind of a vibrant, robust experience, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you're experiencing life. After the service, you'll see a Connect Center banner in the back of the room. You can join us back there, and we would love to meet you and show you around a little bit. But now, for right now, we're going to hop into the Word, and we're going to pick up in our Citizens series. How many of you guys have enjoyed the Citizens series so far? Yeah. Um, we've been kind of cruising through the book of Ephesians um, and taken about seven weeks to do that. This is technically week uh, four, five. This is actually week five. And um, every week we've been kind of going through, just taking a snapshot out of one chapter in Ephesians. And so this week we're looking at Ephesians 4. Next week, Pastor Will is uh, up for, uh, he's going to be at bat next week. And uh, he's going to be talking through Ephesians five next week, and then we'll just continue from there. But if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Ephesians chapter 4 today, or your phone, or whatever digital device you have, or if you have it all memorized, you can just recall that in your head. That would be awesome too. That would be so good. Um, But here's the big idea. Here's the big idea of the series if you haven't been around. Ephesians 2.19 Paul's writing to a church in Ephesus, a kind of a new church. This is about 60 AD. This, this church is positioned for massive growth. They're experiencing unbelievable growth. People turning from this goddess worship of Diana to, to finding new life in Jesus. And uh, he has to kind of lay out for them what life in Christ looks like. And, uh, and he uses a lot of different language for that. But in Ephesians 2.19, he says it like this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. I'll say it one more time, and maybe you will agree with this, all right? So then you are no longer strangers. How, how awesome is it that you're not a stranger to God, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God? I, and, and, and I think, you know, we've talked about it the last few weeks, and I just don't want us to get over the, the simplicity of how amazing this is. That it wasn't by anything that you did. It wasn't because you were so smart or had your life together or made the right decisions early in life. But through the, the simplicity of just believing the risen Christ, and what he did and what, what he, he came to bring to you, there's something inside of that and upon your confession that you are now a member of the household of God. You didn't have to fill out applications. You didn't have to get approved. Jesus is your application, right? He approved you through his blood on the cross. And he says, you know what? You were a stranger, but now I call you friend. You are in the household of God. Come on, are we preaching? I'm, I'm, I'm already preaching. All right? I haven't even gotten to the message yet. And I'm just ready for you to kind of come along with me, all right? So this is where we're at. That's kind of the basis of where we're going. The last few weeks, we've been in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And if you've been around, you've kind of noticed that even in the messages, what we notice about Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 is that they're really cosmic in nature. 
And you notice that we've been talking about what it means to be seated with Christ in heavenly places and and that now we're comprehending with all the saints the width and the breadth of the love of God. And, and we're talking about what it means to be in Christ. And, and starting from, from the point of heaven versus trying to work to get to heaven. We've been talking a lot, a lot of atmospheric, floaty, abstract things, right? And it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, what are we even talking about, right? Our heads have been in the clouds for the last three weeks because Ephesians 1-3, through 3 has, our, our heads should be in the clouds. That's the whole point. The whole point is you have to start this whole journey with your head in the clouds to have any idea of what you're doing, all right? And so uh, Ed and Nick and Didi have done a wonderful job kind of walking through some unbelievable truths. And it's cool because when we get to chapter 4, we see this turn in Paul's language when he's writing to Ephesus. You know, we've, we're talking about being seated in heavenly places and, and Christ, and, the, and he's ruling over all things, joining everything together in heaven and in earth. Beautiful concepts, beautiful things. But then we get into the beginning of chapter 4. And the first verse is, he says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So the first three chapters, we've been talking about where we're seated and now he's ta- it's, it's time for something to shift, and now we're going to talk about where we're walking. Because you guys know that when we, are, when we come into Christ, yeah, it's, it's about us recognizing what has been done for us, but at a certain point, there's something that is evoked inside of us that changes the way we walk this earth. It has to. And this is what Paul's talking about. I want to talk to you about how you're walking. And so, so in this chapter— he, he starts laying out what the life of a believer can look like or should look like. And we start going through uh, what it looks like for the church to be unified in one body, in one spirit, in one faith, in one baptism. I said, this is, what you've been get- this is what it means to be a citizen. You are unified with each other, not based on ideals and what you agree on, but you're unified in Christ, right? Because you're all gathered together in Christ. And so we come down into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And this is where we're going to start for today. Are you guys with me? Let's stand up. You guys need some oxygen in your body. Somebody's yelling at me in the back. I'm not going to listen to them, whatever they say. And here's, here's where we go. Paul's writing to the church. He wants to talk to them about what they've been given. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You sit down. Father, thank you for your word to us today. 
We thank you for what's been given to us in you, Jesus. And today, as we explore that even a little further, we thank you that you've designed this thing. You've designed us to work in a way where we're growing up into you. And I pray that today, God, you give us a way forward and a step for each person here to take to grow up more fully into your stature, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you, Father. Thank you that it's so warm outside and sunny. I just wanted to thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) That's okay. Let's just throw some things in there just because we can. So we get the picture here that, you know, he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. Now, if you've been around long enough, if you know that scripture, those are all really interesting words, but more or less God, his, he, he distributes gifts among the church. Why? So that we can come alongside of each other to edify each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. So that there's something inside of our speech, inside of our conduct, inside of the way we live that sends a message to the other people in the family of God, maybe the people you're sitting next to right now, maybe people across the room or whoever you're connected to. But he assigns these gifts and he distributes them out because he wants the body of Christ to be a body that moves, a body that walks, a body that's not stagnant, but a body that's growing. And and what he kind of gets into as he talks about us growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ, and then he says in verse 14, why is that? So that we may no longer be what? Children. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. And he's just talking about what that means for us to be a community that just calls each other up into deeper maturity. And, and, and he uses this language that you may no longer be children. And it's interesting because if you actually read some of the other epistles and, and, and some other parts of the New Testament, you get to see that this is kind of a theme of Paul. He's trying to get people to grow up. Have you guys noticed this about Paul? That he's trying to do this. And here's, here's another way. Here's Eugene Peterson the way, in the message translation, what he says about this very scripture, Ephesians 4. 14, he says, no longer prolonged infancies among us, please, will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. 1 Corinthians, if we look, we flip to the first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And then in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says it like this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food... It's for the mature, for those who have the, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Now, that's just an interesting thing that we see across the New Testament, that the writers, as they write to the church, there's this motivation, there's this heart. It's like, we just want you guys to grow up, just grow up. I have this steak here. I'd love to give you this brilliant piece and cut of steak, perfectly seasoned and cooked for you, but you're still, you're still nursing. I mean, you're still a nursing baby. So I can't, give you, I can't give you this thing because you're still over here. And so you, can, you get this kind of aggressive language where some of you can relate to that as parents, you know, when you're talking to your kid. You know, it's like, just grow up, grow up, right? But here's what's interesting about that. 
You know, Paul's writing, I, I want you to build each other up so that you're no longer children. I want you to get past that because you guys need to mature in these ways. But then if we skip forward, not to steal Will's punch next week, skip forward to Ephesians 5, chapter 1, or verse 1. Then he starts out the very next chapter like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Right? So chapter 4, it's like, would you grow up? Right? Would you, would you just, would you stop that? Whatever you're doing there, stop that. Grow up. You guys are giving to each other to grow up. You know, the Hebrews, I, I want to give you more than you have right now, but, but I can't because you're not, you're not mature enough to receive that, right? And then it's like something switches and we get to chapter 5. It's like, oh, beloved children, gather around, beloved children. Story time with Uncle Paul, right? And it's like, it's like wait, what's, what's going on here? You know, and you see these passages and Jesus is talking about what it means to be a child and the importance of having this heart, this childlike heart. And so what's interesting is when we get into some of this stuff, we have to kind of be able to separate and discern what it is that we're actually talking about when it comes to maturity, when it becomes to growing up from being a child versus preserving our sonship or being dearly loved children of God. And here's kind of the big idea. How do you grow up without losing the heart of a child? There is a difference between childish faith and childlike faith. Okay? This is going to be really helpful for some of you. There's a difference between being childish and being childlike. There are some things we are born with that we are to grow away from and grow out of. And there are some things we are born with that we are, continue, we are to continue to grow into and to preserve. And this is, this is a good thing for us to look at and to actually take, take a look at these things. There's some things that we're born with as, as babies, as infants, as adolescents that we are to grow away from and tendencies we are to grow up and away from. And there's other things that we are given even from a young age that we have to fight to preserve. All right? Now, let's take a look at this for a second. Childish. Childish faith. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of complete this list a little bit. But you know know what's interesting about babies? Can I just go on a rant about babies for a second? Um, I don't know. I'm seeing some problems, okay? Um, I don't know if anybody else is talking about this. I wish they would. I mean, I hope the babies in this room that are, that are here can hear this from me. I hope you pay attention. I don't know if anybody else notices, but babies are incredibly selfish. Have you guys noticed that? Like, all they want is to feed, to, they want food. You want, me to, you want me to change your diaper now, right? Like, like, what do you want from me, right? I'm joking, by the way. Okay, this isn't a real rant. Like, you know, a couple years ago, Noah was like a new, or, you know, five years ago, he was a newborn. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, you're, what, six months now? It's time to start doing things around the house, right? <laughs> I asked him to take out the trash. Would you believe what he did? He just looked at me. He, didn't, he, look, he, he looked at me with that face like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, he just didn't even care, right? He was just waiting for me to do all the work, right? So that is, that is how we are born into the world, and that's actually a good thing, okay? Now, I know that's kind of like a little funny rant there, but we're born into the world because we're created for the sense of, of to, to learn how to trust, to learn how, how to come into a safe environment and to 
uh, assess the environment and know if this is safe for us. And we have to learn how to do certain things. And as we grow, we learn that it's not just about us, but it's about others. But as you know, a childish tendency, as all of us who have children, all of us who are still children, all of us who were children, know that childish faith looks like selfish, a little bit irresponsible, unable, as we looked in the scripture, unable to discern certain things unskilled with certain things. In the scripture in Ephesians, children are unstable in the sense of they, sometimes when you have a lot of opinions, you, have, you hear a lot of different things, you don't know what to believe all the time. And, and, and Paul was saying, I don't want you any longer to be children just tossed to and fro. And every, every time somebody says something different, you go this way and that way. And you're just, you don't even know what to believe anymore because you have no anchor point in, in what you're believing, right? And, and so, Childish tendencies look like that. You're unstable and ungrateful. Now, I don't want to take this too much further, but you know what it's like to have a child and they're ungrateful, right? I want you to hear uh, Tim Hawkins' solution to this. How about you take a look at this? I took my kids a while back to this uh, par- theme park called Six Flags. You ever heard of Six Flags? It's a real fun theme park, man. Took them there for a day. I spent half a grand. <laughs> half a grand. In a day. I'm driving home that night. I heard this in the back seat. <laughs> My sweetheart, what's wrong? Billy's daddy took them to Disney World. For a week. And we just got to go to Six Flags. For a day. We hate you. Sweetheart, look up here at Daddy. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. You ever feel like doing that? I have. Like, we got insurance. Let's see what happens. I don't care anymore. I just don't want to hear that. How ungrateful is that, Disney World? Let's make a new theme park for kids. We'll call it Third World. (laughs) Sit them there for a few weeks. See if they don't come back a little more grateful. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) <laughs> it's the third world after all <laughs> it's... Daddy, I want a Happy Meal He'll be happy to get a meal <laughs> Daddy, Mickey Mouse No, that's a giant rat Get out of here! <laughs> it's the third Oh, it's, it's a poison dart I just got that. Yeah, that's about right, yeah? On a side note, there's some mission trip sign-ups for your uh, children out in the foyer. <laughs> oh, man. But we know what that's like. And so it's, it's, it's funny because we start, we start our life, uh, these are things we have to learn. There's things that we have to grow out of. We start off childish, and we have to grow up and grow out of that. And there's nothing more sad than a fully grown human being who hasn't moved on from some of these things, right? Am I right here? Anybody know those people, right? And I think in the church world, There's probably a lot of applications, but it's a big deal because we have to understand, we have to grow up into this idea that church, not the building, I mean us as the people, this local fellowship, the primary responsibility of the church is not to meet your needs. Now that might be, that might be surprising or shocking that I would even say that, but the whole purpose of the church, it's, we we are called to be a reservoir of the kingdom of God on earth, and this community exists as an outlet for you to pour yourself out into the lives of others. Yeah? 
So if you want a way to experience the blessing and riches of God, we have a million ways for you to be generous towards each other because actually that's where life actually is. And somehow along the way, your needs get met at the same time. Because when we flip the switch, though, that we can move on from childish ways and start growing up into Christ, something in us switches to say that I don't come here, I am not a part of here simply to receive something, but I'm here because the riches of Christ and the generosity of Christ have overflowed into me, and I'm just looking for something to spill over to myself. You know the band that's up here every Sunday morning? You guys won't believe this. They're actually not just the house band. You know that? They're not here for like, uh, you know, just a Sunday morning entertainment to kind of get your week started with a little pep, you know, and just get a little chipper week started. These guys are, I know these guys, they're worked into the fabric of this community, like our worship team, our worship leaders, these guys aren't paid. They are part of this community, and they're up here because they want to overflow what God's given to them. They're not here to play for you. They're here to worship with you. Yeah? And so there's a thing where some of us kind of show up, what you got, worship team? What you got, speaker? You know, that type of thing. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't got anything for you. We're here to do this with each other, to spill over into each other, to change a mindset, Yeah? And I can say the same thing about our youth ministry and children's ministry. These guys aren't just glorified childcare workers. You know, yeah, sometimes we suck each other into there to fill in some needs and that type of thing. But I will tell you, the heart and the motivation and the fire that burns at the core of our guys and our teachers and our leaders is not just to, to, to make your time on a Sunday morning, make your 90 minutes a little more convenient, though that's what happens. But it's also to, to unveil the riches and the glories of Christ in a way that these little children can experience Jesus in a fresh and new way every Sunday morning. They're there to pour out, right? They're there to pour out into our children. And all across the board, that's who we are. We are to grow up away from childish ways that you exist for me. But we get to grow up into maturity that says, I have experienced such generosity that I'm just looking for my next victim of generosity to pour out onto. I'm looking for somebody else who will receive what I have to give because it's overflowing inside of me. You guys got that? And so Paul, this is what he's talking about when he's talking about growing up. We're to grow into maturity. And that involves generosity. That involves discernment. That involves helping each other. This is what he's talking about. He's given us to each other to help each other discern the word of God and to grow up in our understanding and the wisdom of the word of God and what this means and to be in dialogue so that we're not just tossed to and fro. And so there's things that we grow out of, but then there's things that we grow into. And that's where we get to talk about what it means to be childlike. Drink of water. <clears throat> Everybody say amen. amen. You don't even know what you said amen to. That was funny. So childlike <clears throat> faith is faith marked by many things, but I would say humility, trust. What I love with my two-year-old is that he's learning to trust me and almost a little too much sometimes. Um, like he's, 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 he's learned to do the thing where he can just kind of fall off the top of the stairs, right? And I just catch him. Except now he's just getting, he's not timing it totally right. So it's like just because I'm in the room doesn't mean it's time to, you know, ah, you know, that type of thing. It's like, well, hold on a second, buddy. Just let me get up the stairs before you fall off the top of the stairs, all right? But he's learning to trust. Dependency is a good thing. I know we're an independent nation. We celebrate that. That's great. But in the kingdom of God, the hallmark is dependency on Jesus. 
that you were not created to be independent from each other or from God. You, you're not smart enough. And you don't have what it takes to figure it all out. I hate to let you, I mean, I, I wish I had a softer way to let you know that. But there is life in be, being dependent on God and on a community that we can invest in, that we can be a part of. And then what it means to be childlike. Do you remember what it was like? We were born with an innate desire to imagine and to dream and to create and to have crazy ideas that didn't even make sense. You know, and we have to actually learn how to be uncreative later in life. That's one of the things that we're given into that we actually have to learn how to preserve as we get older. Whereas culture and society and just kind of the way that it, that it comes, we, we can kind of suppress imagination. We suppress childlike creativity. And do you remember, even for some of you, you remember when you first put your faith in Jesus, what that belief felt like in your heart. Do you guys remember that? For some of you? You remember, like, it didn't all make sense, but you know, you knew in your heart of hearts, you knew there was something erupting. You, and there's that, remember that sense of, I feel like anything could happen today. Anything is possible right now. And that is something given to us. It kind of looks like this when you learn to ride your bike for the first time. I feel, I feel. Do you feel alive? I feel, I feel, I feel happy of myself. I feel happy of yourself too. What do you got, any words of wisdom? What about for all the other kids trying to learn how to ride their bike? Can you say anything to them? gosh, and you just sell. It's like there's this place of like, oh my, anything could happen. If I can do this, if, if God can do this for me, God could do this for the whole world. Do you remember what that was like to live in a place of wonder, of such unbelievable belief that it just filled you up like a well, and it was just like this thing of anything could happen. And I think the important part that we have to understand, it is possible to grow up into Christ. It is possible to grow up in discernment and maturity, but also continue to grow into wonder and imagination and belief and trust and humility. You are called to be a son. You are called to be a daughter. You are called to be a child, but mature sons and daughters of God, right? And this is a big deal. And I know for me, I grew up in the church, and I know a lot, of, a lot of people don't have the opportunity, you know. I want my children to grow up in the church. I want my children to grow up loving God from a young age. That was my story. I didn't have all these wayward days of, you know, all kinds of different paths, and I wasn't incredibly deviant as an adolescent, and, which is a testimony in and of itself that should be celebrated even among our youth, by the way. You don't have to be crazy in order to have a good testimony, all right? And I knew I was certain of things from a young age. I was just certain. I didn't even need to try certain things out because I knew in my heart. I was like, man, I, God, I'm, I I don't even know what this is going to look like, but I think I'm yours. I'm your man, right? And, but you know, over the, over time though, 
I remember it's like when you stick around long enough and you're part of the church thing for a while and you're part of ministry and, and you see different churches, how things operate, and you're kind of part of the world of Christianity, uh, it's easy. And I, this happened for me. I just started getting a little cynical. I mean, even in my early days of beginning ministry here, I, I, I just remember my heart. I wouldn't have called it cynicism then. I would have just called it discernment, right? I would have just called it good judgment, Right? Like, my judgment's better than your judgment, right? That's actually cynicism. When I, I thought all of my ideas were better than everybody else's, right? And I started kind of growing up into that until I realized that cynicism is just a poison, and it's meant to poison imagination and belief and trust and humility. And it took, it took some failure. It took some encounters with Jesus. And it took some, some humbling circumstances for me to come back to a place of God I actually don't have this figured out. I don't have what it takes in and of myself. And somehow in the middle of that, in the middle of finding my way back to dependence on Jesus, on the body, and just realizing I am just a part. I'm just here. I'm serving. I'm just doing my part. But this is not the big deal. This is not hoorah for Luke. This is not what that's about. When I realized that and started journeying back into that, I I just felt that cynicism began to melt away, and God began to, yes, he grew me up into a mature son and daughter, but I was able to preserve, and I feel like what I continue to pray, what I continue to seek God about is, God, help me be one who preserves a sense of wonder every day when I wake up with you, that I am just wondering what is possible as I walk with you as a citizen of heaven today on this planet. What if we are that type of people that are thoughtful and we do ask questions? And I would, I would ask that of you guys. When you come here on a Sunday morning and you hear us talk, th- this, isn't, this isn't a game where you just show up and you just do what the preacher tells you to do. That's not what we're playing here, all right? This isn't do what you're told. We expect you to grow in discernment and thoughtfulness and, and questioning and just, and just ask the Lord, what does this mean to me? Not everything we say is going to be 100% accurate all the time. That's not necessarily the point. If we're doing our job well, if I do my job well, if any of our leaders are doing their job well, they're trying to come underneath of you for you to grow up into a thriving, robust, intimate relationship with Jesus. You know him through and through. You know the word of God through and through. And we develop that community with our children, with our youth, and all the way to whatever age we are, that this is the type of people we are. And so it's kind of the bottom line question, though, this morning is how are you growing up into Jesus? How are you growing? That's what we're talking about in Ephesians 4. We're really talking about growing. And it's an interesting question. How, how have you been growing with Jesus? It's an interesting question. And, and, it, and in times past, with that type of question, as people ask me how my relationship with Jesus is, I would give them different answers enthusiastically. I would say, oh, well, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is what I'm learning right now, or this is what I read the other day. Or I would say, this is how things are going at the church. No, 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 no. How are you growing in Jesus? What is different from even a couple weeks ago from who you are to where you are now? And it's an interesting question because we read about growth in the Scripture, but some of us, I think there's a lot of Christians across the states in particular who don't necessarily assume growth is to be expected as they come into Christ. It's like, well, I'm in, right? I mean, 
I wasn't saved, now I'm saved, I'm in, right? I mean, I'm a Christian now, right? I'm, I'm in, so isn't that, is that good? I mean, am I good? Are, are you saying I'm good or, or not? Are we growing? But it's interesting because when you look at Jesus and the way he interacts with the people he's with, he doesn't spend a lot of time trying to nail down if people are in or out. What he focuses is what direction are you headed How are you growing? Where are you growing? And what are you growing into or what are you growing away from? Have you guys noticed this? Because there were some people, the Pharisees in particular, who were close to Jesus. And technically, they were theologically and morally right next to him. But what direction were they headed? They were headed away from him. Why? Because they were losing their ability to trust they were losing their ability to depend on him. They were about self-preservation. They were actually the ones who should have seen him coming didn't know the word of God when he was standing right in front of them. They lost their ability to wonder. They lost their ability to believe. They were plagued with unbelief. And in many ways, the Pharisees were close to God, but they were on their way out. And then there was another group, a fun group that we like to call the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, right? The sinners. And they were miles away from Jesus. Morally, theologically, these were screw-ups. These are people that should be filled with shame, right? Because they were so apart. But then we read these scriptures, or even those who were distant from Jesus, What direction do we see them heading? They were heading towards him. And they were heading towards him. They would draw near to him. And it's amazing because Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time trying to say, oh, you're good here, or you're good here because you're in this category. He spends a lot of time with his people and the people he talked with about what direction they were headed into. And he would even say things as shocking as these sinners and tax collectors the kingdom of God is nearer to them than they are to you, than it is to you. How could he say such a thing? Because he could see where they were growing and what direction they were headed. Are you guys tracking with me? What I'm saying is, I don't care how experienced you are. I don't care how mature, how long you've been here and doing this thing. The question, and the real question, we have to ask ourselves, this question I have to ask myself and every single one of you, is today, what direction are you headed with Jesus? Are you drawing near to him? As a child in humility and dependence and trust, these prostitutes, they said, there's something about this man. There's something about this man, the way he talks, the way he cares for me. I'm just going to lean in here. I'm going to start coming near and drawing to this man, Jesus. And there's something about that. Even Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. But to the others that thought that they, they knew where things were at, and maybe they'd become stagnant in their growth because they thought they had already settled the growth thing a long time ago. They didn't realize growth was a lifelong process. They thought, that, they thought that as long as they did the right thing or kept the law or said the sinner's prayer or did the thing, that I'm just safe now, right? I'm safe. I'm in the safe zone, right? No. Because it's about a lifelong journey of growing up into Jesus. In which case, Jesus would say to them, if you want to know anything about the kingdom of God, you have to become like one of these little children. See these children here? They don't got anything figured out. 
They, have, they, they barely even know how to tie their shoes. But they've drawn near. And there's something he's saying. And there's something I believe that all the whole council of Scripture is saying, if you see the tension here, that we grow up into Jesus in our knowledge of the Word, in our discerning of what's happening. But we maintain the ability to be humble, to be trusting, to be generous. What if, as a community, we continue to do that with each other? We challenge each other to be in a place of imagination and wonder, and we also call them up and to, to be anchored not in interesting new ideas, but to be anchored in the person of Jesus, so they're not tossed to and fro by winds and waves of opinion and doctrine and deceit and all these things, that we can grow in these two things together, I believe this is what the citizen, citizenship in the kingdom of God looks like. Wonder and imagination, trust and humility, combined with discernment, knowledge of the word of God, skilled in the word of God and in righteousness, trained up, proficient in the body of Christ. Are you helping the people that you're with grow up into that kind of world? into that kind of reality? That's the question for you. And are you growing yourself? And here's the good news. This is why we're all here, because it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum. What matters is what direction you're headed. You guys hear me? Some of you are in the room, and you're like, listen, I know I'm a screw-up. I came in this room unbelievably aware of what's broken in my life and things that you're trying to fix and you can't seem to fix and you're trying to get these books and these teachings and this and that and trying to somehow super glue your life back together. It just is not working. And you know it's not working. But guess what? No matter, even if that's the place where you're at, even if you're loaded down with shame and brokenness, if your next step is towards him, then the kingdom of God is yours today. The kingdom of heaven is yours today. Experience freedom. Experience what it's like to be held Experience a God that you can trust in all things with the details of your life as messy as they are. And even for some of us, maybe you have grown stagnant. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, I haven't seen a lot of growth. I haven't seen a lot of change in a long time. I do, I do believe that even today, you don't have to leave this room without even taking a step towards Jesus, whatever that looks like. And that might be, have to be defined between you and the Lord what that step looks like. Some of you may need just to come down and just humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, I've lost the ability to be a child before you. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Some of you, that might be it. Some of you might, might have something else that you need to do between you and the Lord to say, God, I don't know about this and that. I don't know how to get out of this rut or the stagnancy I'm in. But I do know, Lord, that I love you and I want to continue to grow up into the fullness of who you are. And so this morning, there are a million options for next steps. For as many people are as in the room, there is a next step available. And what I'm encouraging you is that that next step, no matter where you are, that next step is towards the Son of God, Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you today. I thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that we get to depend on you. 
God, even with the questions that we carry and even the things that we don't know, even with the brokenness of the mess, God, or even, Lord, in the places where we've been doing the same thing for so long that we've lost the ability to expect anything new or different. I thank you, Jesus, for the power of the resurrection. I thank you, Lord God, that you love to take us by the hand and lead us on from where we're at. And we pray, Lord God, for eyes to see you, Jesus, today, to know your heart for us and to grow us up into you. And Father, I thank you that you have given us to each other in this room. You've given so many of us to each other for the building up of the body, that we would grow up into maturity in the fullness of Christ. And I thank you, Father, that we get to step into our responsibility and our ability to come alongside of each other and to call out the greatness of who you are inside of each other, to call each other up into a life with you. We love you, Jesus. And this morning we pray that for each person that we don't leave this place without at least taking one step in the right direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.